Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Harvard Hoops podcast. This is episode 31. Uh, my co-host, Ben, is unavailable for tonight. So I am delighted to be joined by CJ Machisani, uh, who is a draft expert from the United States of America. How you doing, mate? Hey, Liam. How you doing? Not too bad. Yeah, good. All good here, thank you. Uh, we were just speaking off-air a little bit about elections. So I know the last few days have been very draining for you, so a bit of basketball chat might be nice to <laughs> kind of calm yeah, down a bit. It'll definitely be a refreshing turn. I appreciate it. Cool. So the plan for today is we're going to go through um, a little bit more about CJ um, and about some stuff he's done, which is really cool on Twitter. And then we're going to go through a little mock draft and talk about the first 14 picks in the draft. So just a lottery. So if we start off with a little bit bit more about you, mate, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your NBA roll call idea that kind of got me and you together via uh, NBA UK fans and just talk about that idea and how it came into place. Sure. Yeah. So NBA roll call is a Google Sheets that I have running that anybody can find in my uh, Twitter bio at CJ Marchesani. And it's basically just a running list of all of the best Twitter follows on basketball Twitter for each team. And then we have the draft, we have an analytics section, we have a podcast section. And I was basically just taking a poll of everyone that I could get a hold of on basketball Twitter and, um, making the list of follows for everybody to get to. So it ended up being a really cool process. I met a ton of great people doing it, and I'm kind of working on a spin-off of that right now to try to build up some platforms that'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Oh, wow, cool. Um, and in terms of the UK scene as well, I know that a lot of people have contacted you and, and, and kind of joined yeah. that side from the UK, which is nice to see. Yeah, in the first couple of days of it, it was kind of just a rush of, a, a bunch of just different people from everywhere get getting in contact with me trying to get on the list and I'm, I'm trying to i'm putting everyone on the list anybody that wants to be there meet new people and uk specifically it was pretty clear that obviously most of the people i came in contact with were america but uk was the very clear number two and like you said me and you met through that and i've met a bunch of other uh, great people from the uk through roll call did that surprise you how much interest it was from the UK side or was it more expected just from what you know about the fact we have a London game before this year, every year and stuff like that? No, I mean, I know that basketball is huge over there, but or big over there. But yeah. I um, I was really surprised. I I was kind of in my own little bubble in kind of the Sixers Philly side of Twitter, which was part of the reason for the project to begin with. I wanted to branch out and kind of meet new people, get new perspectives. And it was really re- refreshing and cool how how much support it, it uh, got in the UK. Yeah, and then you mentioned Philly there. So for anyone listening, you are a 76ers fan. Um, is that because you yes. live in the area or is that because of family connections and stuff? I, I live in New Jersey, about 20 minutes over the bridge from Philly. I am a what they call a four for four Philly sports fan. Uh, basketball, <laughs> hockey, football baseball that's that's who i am <laughs> and uh 76ers are probably one of the more successful ones this year yeah yeah the sixers have uh they're my number one team out of the four of them and they have been kind of holding up the mantle since the eagles won the super bowl so most of my uh most of my success these last couple of years has been them yeah and in terms of the 76ers off season uh, if we're going to talk a little bit about that um what were your thoughts on the hiring? Obviously, Doc came first uh, when we yeah. kind of a little bit unaware about the, the Maury hire afterwards. But when you saw Doc on his own as without the Maury mm-hmm. news, were you happy with that coaching hire or were there other people, maybe younger coaches that you wanted to look at? Yeah, I wasn't. I, I definitely wasn't through the roof with the Doc hire. I thought it was like a fine six out of ten. He will mm-hmm. definitely get the job done higher. But I was looking before the whole vision, I guess, came together. I was looking for somebody a little bit more creative. Even uh, Ty Lue gets kind of like a, a rap of a, just the LeBron coach, you know? But mm-hmm. I even think Ty Lue has some cool stuff that he he did and would hold the stars accountable. And with all of the stuff coming out of LA this year, that one of the big issues was the players on the team were having concerns with how accountable Doc was holding uh, Kawhi and PJ. I thought maybe we could use a little bit more of our stars getting held account- accountable which didn't seem like a great fit with Doc. Yeah, that was a similar vibe over, over this side, really. And we also kind of heard the uh, the murmurings that the Clippers' offense can be a little bit 
kind of a little bit slow to to off, to start, and there's not a lot of pick and roll yeah. action. There's not loads of movement. It's kind of one on one scoring, which is something that the seventy sixes don't need. You you wanted more ball movement, yeah. and more three point shooting, and then to hire a coach who's very similar offensively. It was slightly. Um, I know there's a 76ers fan page over here, and they they weren't happy with the offensive hire, and kind of thought he needed a coach to go alongside him with an offensive mind. But yeah, fast forward a few. I, weeks, I was pretty much there. Yeah, fast forward a few weeks, Daryl Morey comes into place. Uh, obviously, analytics expert, very offensive focused, very different in terms of three point shooting, kind of floor spacing and size of his teams that he likes to to create. Uh, what was yeah. your thoughts when when he was then hired? He's got a connection with Doc, but they are very different basketball minds. They are, and I was thrilled with the Mori hire. Obviously, I thought that was a home run out of the park mm-hmm. um, hire, and honestly, not as big of a deal as Daryl because I think that really is the thing that solidified this offseason for me. But we added Dave Yeager to our coaching staff as the offensive assistant for yeah. Doc, and I really enjoyed Jaeger's uh, Kings offenses. I think he did more than what he had to work with over there. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a pretty inspiring, like at least if maybe Doc is the guy managing the things, but the actual offense is coming from Jaeger, I would feel a little bit better about that. Yeah, and in terms of the way that Moore likes to structure his his team yeah, and, sure. and staff, what, what were your thoughts on on him coming in? Do you think it'll be a year of kind of feeling it out and trying to see how the offense goes, or you think that he'll want to come in and do his famous whole wholesome changes and trades and, and kind of flip everything on its head. Yeah. I don't think we'll get the flip on its head. I think that just from his press conference, which I know coach speak and stuff like that, but he gave me the feeling that he wanted to at least see what they had in Ben and Joe before they mixed anything up. And I think the fit issues with Ben and Joel have been a little bit overstated as in regards to Maury's offense, because he, he the analytics are very strongly towards two areas, which is obviously threes and rim opportunities, like uh, shots at the basket. And Joel gets a little bit sucked into the mid-range game a little bit, but he defends rim opportunities better than anybody in the league outside of maybe Gobert. And he really is a good rim scorer if he has a space to obviously get down into the paint. And Ben, while he doesn't shoot threes, created something like the third most open three-point attempts in the league last year. So on a team that didn't shoot very many threes, Ben is one of the best three-point creators in the league. And I'm thinking that maybe our issue with the fit with Maury isn't so much our stars, but the guys we have surrounding our stars, which I would like to hopefully see fixed. Yeah, that was kind of the main talking point in the playoffs, wasn't it? The whole Al Horford and Tobias Harris getting paid so much Mm -hmm. money and their production doesn't match. In terms of moving those two, which one of the two do you think is easier to move contract and age? Do you think it's more of a Tobias just because of his age? Or I think Horford's only got two years, hasn't he, on less money as well than, than Tobias? Yeah, I think that I think that Tobias's contract. Tobias, first of all, is the better player without a doubt. Yeah. Not not really close, but and I he think shoots threes Tobias, well as well. Yeah, exactly. He's if you had to pick one player to keep on the team, contracts aside, I'd rather have Tobias. Yeah, but it's it's a bad, it's a really bad contract. It's one of the worst contracts in the league, and he doesn't help the fit with Ben and Joe. He doesn't necessarily kill it if you have other good guys around him. But he sure doesn't help, and I think I think we're we're probably more likely to move Al simply because I think it's going to be easier to move Al on, like you said, less money, less years. Yeah, I would agree. I think someone will, will take him. A king's rumor uh, for the UK circles has been around recently. I don't know if that's going to happen with a, with a buddy healed sort of trade, but uh, that'd be yeah. interesting to see if it does happen. But we've heard if we can... Harden as well. What are your thoughts on Harden and Healed? Cool. Yeah, healed. I, I mean, I would. I don't even think Buddy's that great of a player, and I think that if we move Al for, or Al and our first round pick this year for Buddy, that would be a home run. I, I yeah. and I'm not that high on Buddy, but the Harden rumor would be great. I don't see any reason for the Rockets to move him because then they're stuck with the Russ contract and not really good enough to do anything. So I think mm-hmm. they'll probably run it back at least another year. But I think i mean i don't know how you could say no to a hardened trade 
even knowing that it would probably take Ben Simmons, I think is still it's hard to say no to an opportunity to have Harden and Embiid get even two or three years to run at it. Yeah, and if if it was Embiid involved in the trade, would you be more hesitant just because of Harden's age to to keep Embiid and not go for the Harden trade, or you just don't see Philadelphia even offering Embiid up in a trade? Um, yeah, I I would rather trade Ben just because of the fit. I think if it comes down to Embiid, first of all, I get I'm not really sure how much trade value and I you actually might have a better uh in, better insight on this than I do who would you who would you rate higher in a trade Ben or Joel um I would probably rate Ben higher to be honest from, yeah from, I would think so too I think I think Joel's the better player and I think he's more important to our team and I think yeah. he probably fetches less in a trade so for that reason, I don't see Joel really getting traded anywhere at any point because I don't think we would get fair value back for him. Yeah, I think Ben offers something that a team that doesn't have a big like Joel that they would fall in love with. I think Ben yeah. can kind of basically run an offense as a point forward with all the space. If you put four shooters around him, I think someone would mm-hmm. offer a large amount for someone like that if they didn't have a big. Yeah. Um, whereas Joel is very much suited to playing with you guys and the way you play. And a little yeah. thing that I think people forget about uh, Mori is he's so focused on analytics, but what he wants is the best shot. And the most efficient shot yeah. is a dunk and a layup at the basket. And Embiid is yeah. the best player in the league at getting dunks under the rim. So I think that people kind of misvalue that fit and just think, oh, Joel doesn't suit Mori ball. But Mori likes efficient basketball. Yeah. And if he can make Joel move away from mid-range and, and like when he's taking contested threes at, at the top of the arc, that's just something you don't want. But if you can get him under the basket where he's dominant, I think Maury would, would love a player like that. Yeah, I agree. I think the the move away from centers was less about, it was less of a referendum on the center position as a whole and more just if you're not going to have an elite center, there's no real reason to clog up the paint. But, you know, we do. So we'll see where he goes with that. Yeah, and the last player um, I wanted to ask about before we move on some draft stuff was Drew Holiday, those rumours have kind of been circulating for a few weeks and then I think Sham's kind of put another report out that's lit the fire again uh, of holiday trades. We're not sure which teams, they've just used the word contenders, but a lot of UK fans kind of want to see him at the Heat, at the Nets or at the Sixers. What what would your feelings be on a fit with Holiday in Philadelphia? Um, well, first of all, I love Drew. He came from Philly, yeah. so he's one of my favourite players in the league. I would love to see him back. That being said, I don't really see a way a deal gets done there with New Orleans because Philly would certainly not be giving up Ben or Joel for Drew. And I don't really know what we can offer that would interest or that would be the that would be the best package besides that. It would have to be something like Matisse and Shake Milton and our first round pick this year and our first round pick in two years and our first round pick the year after that. It would just have to be a monster pick offer. And yeah. I don't even then, I still don't think it's probably the best offer that New Orleans receives. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that the the Nets are going to take a big run at him. And I personally want the Warriors to take a run at him. And we know they've got three first-round picks in the next two years. So it'd be hard for anyone to beat three picks in yeah. two years, I think. So. Cool. It would right, be, be fun to... Yeah, let's move on to the draft then. Uh, so you did yeah, some no. draft analysis. Um how did you kind of fall in love with the draft? Is it because you're a fan of college uh, basketball or is it just the process in general you've always loved? Yeah, so, so actually it everything goes back to Philly. This goes back to Philly. Um, when Sixers basketball was miserable for a couple of years there in the late 2000s and early 2010s, it was just like chasing eight seeds, hoping to get lucky in the playoffs. And then we brought in Hinky and tore the whole thing down. And while we were a bad basketball team, it was super interesting to follow. And it's hard not to get into the draft when you have eight picks a year. So that was what started it. And then I really, I'm at the point where I love college basketball probably more than professional basketball to watch. There's so much intrigue there and overseas guys and high school guys. And I, I really, Hinky is kind of what launched me down that path. Yeah, the process years were fun in terms of how many picks you had. I remember every year you're pretty yeah. much looking at the best pick every year, aren't you? And I know a couple of them didn't pan out, but it's good to yeah. even evaluate some of them. Yeah, we, we certainly we certainly weren't the best team in the in the uh, league, but it's 
it's hard to argue that we were one of the most interesting. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of college basketball as well, just a quick aside, have you got a team being from where you're from? Is it Villanova with that Philadelphia link or, or someone else? Yeah, I mean, I like Villanova. Villanova is my team. If I had to pick a college basketball team, I support uh, St. Joe, the Hawks. But they're not obviously as uh, as big time onto the national scene. So when it comes to tournament time, I'm I'm usually at least pulling a little bit for Villanova. And I like the rest of the big five uh, Philly basketball teams, support Temple, LaSalle, you know, that kind of thing. All right, well, let's go on to our uh, plans for a mock draft then. Um, we're going to go through picks 1 to 14 and kind of talk about who you would take and then other fits and, and see what players we can talk about. Uh, so let's go with number one then. Uh, Minnesota with the first pick. What are your thoughts with, with them? Who do they need or who do you think they're going to pick? Sure. So, I mean, I think Minnesota should try their darndest to get out of this pick. I don't yeah. think there's anybody at the top that really fits them. That being said, I don't think that they will be able to for a decent value. And I see them going with Anthony Edwards at number one. Yeah, that, that would be the same pick. That I, I would agree with that. Um, we've heard a lot of murmurings the last week or so that uh, Lamelo Ball's draft stock's gone down with interviews and workouts mm-hmm. and Anthony Edwards has gone up. So everything seems yeah. to trend into an Edwards being first or second pick. But do you think yeah. it fits at all Ed- with Russell? Ed- see, no, I really don't. <laughs> I, I don't like that fit. I think that Anthony Edwards has the is I, I guess he's the best bet to be a really good scorer in the draft. He has the fit, he has the build, but he has put up probably the worst defensive tape out of anybody in the draft. It's truly horrific, especially off the ball. And I can't see any way that they cobble together even a slightly below average defense that is built on the backs of D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. I, I don't love the fit, but I I think that's probably where they're going to end up going and then just try to get two really good defensive players to fill out that lineup and hope for the best. Yeah, I agree. I think they should be trying to trade out. And if they can't, I wonder if taking Edwards will be a move for the future where they're trying to move him on in, in six months to a year time when, when someone else might want him. Um, yeah. Because I just think they're going to be too bad, like you said, on the defensive end. It's almost like an, he doesn't play like Wiggins, but in terms of defensive effort not being there, they're very similar players there, and I, I don't think it fits at all. Yeah. he it, it wouldn't even be the worst thing if it was just like he didn't give great effort because there are plenty of guys that didn't give great effort in college like on defense that's not a killer for someone's draft stock but he legitimately looks like he has no idea where he is at any point on that side of the floor which is not great no which is similar to russell as well russell um in the nets they kind of hit him a little bit better than nets but when he went to the warriors and he was kind of the only star playing for a period of time you could see how Mm -hmm. bad he was on defense especially in pick and rolls and i think they could yeah they could get torn apart but i just i agree with you i don't know unless someone comes up with some Huge trade if, if someone wants Wiseman at the first pick. We'll, we'll go on to talk about Charlotte in a minute, but there's been talk of Charlotte maybe mm. wanting to come up to take Wiseman at one or two. Uh, and I yeah. think that if I'm Minnesota, I'm just begging someone to come and try and trade up because I don't think it's the best year to have the first pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, so number two then, Golden State. Uh, this is the most intriguing team for me in the draft and off-season-wise as well, I think. They're going to be a contender. I, I've said they're going to get the first or second seed in the West if they, if they make the moves mm. that I think they'll make. Um, do you think they'll keep the pick at number two? And if so, who do you think they would take? So I'm going to, I know you're going to disagree with me, with me on this one. I'm just going to put that out there to begin with. <laughs> I, um, I, first of all, I think they're in the same situation as Minnesota. They have reported interest in every player in the top 20. Yeah. They want to move this pick badly. And I think the best thing for them to do to win this year is to move the pick for something, anything. They, I can't even imagine they want to pay the salary of a number two guy this year. I, I just, I, this is a really bad, I mean, it's hard to say it's a bad situation to have the number two pick, but they're going to have to get out of this if they want to compete this year. That being said, in the Spurs in the 90s, had David Robinson. He, went, he was out for the year. The Spurs had the number one pick in the draft, and they picked Tim Duncan 
it continued the dynasty for the next 20 years. Yeah. It would be crazy. And it's not going to happen, but it would be nuts if Golden State with this pick took Melo, who I have as the far and away number one guy on my board. I think he's special. He has, I don't like to use generational, but he has vision that he's the best passing prospect since Ben Simmons and before that, maybe LeBron. I really, really think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the league, but he's not going to be ready in his first three years. I just, I think it would be really something for Golden State to take LaMelo here and try to extend their dynasty another 10 years as opposed to just playing for the next year or two. And in terms of trading the pick, do you think they're more likely to trade it completely for a player and, and move away from the draft? Or you think they're more likely to trade back to like a six, seven, eight, nine, ten sort of area to, to pick up someone else? Which do you think is more likely to happen? I think they're more likely to trade it for a player. Like you said earlier, maybe try to get Drew Holiday or see what the Wizards' interest in a Bradley Beal trade with other stuff is. But I think they might strike out in that range. And if so, I think they would be content to trade down to like you said, somewhere in the 8 to 14 range, pick up a helpful player and more picks. I, I, don't think that, um, I don't think that they want to pay the salary that goes with the number two slot to a player that's not going to compete this year. But for the sake of the mock, I'm, I'm going LaMelo Ball and the Warriors dynasty goes for another 15 years. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be happy for the 15-year part, uh, any Warrior fans. Um, in terms of yeah. LaMelo... Um, Shooting mechanics is is a known issue uh, and decision making. Yes. Do you think that's mm. partly due to where he's played and the fact that he's had with his dad and stuff? He's kind of played all over the place. He's moved abroad for a period of time, uh, and he's not really played the same sort of consistent basketball that some of these other prospects have had. Do you think that's a factor, or you just think he, he's a poor shooter and maybe hasn't got the decision making tools yet? No, I think that definitely has something to do with it. And I think another factor is the fact that he's just a really skinny kid that shoots threes from 30 feet out. I think when you're shooting really deep threes, his mechanics are obviously have much more problems than this, but he doesn't have the, he's not shooting regular threes. So his mechanics are super weird to just get the ball to the rim. I think once he gets into an NBA strength and conditioning program and has a shooting coach that is going to work on his form and his release, I think they'll be able to get that figured out. And, and really, that's the swing skill. I'm not as much worried about the decision-making. I almost prefer to see a player his age taking chances and throwing funky passes and seeing what's happening and growing through that. High turnover numbers as a 18-year-old kid, it doesn't really scare me because you want them working through those mistakes. And I think that the shooting issue, I think, can probably be worked out with a uh, NBA strength program and a shooting coach. Yeah, and the Warriors are known for having a really good um, shooting program mm-hmm. as well. And he's going to be learning with uh, if he if he got bits with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Yeah. So there's no better two players to, to learn how to shoot off. Um, yeah, I agree that he's one of the the biggest upside in the draft. I, I think mm-hmm. his floor is lower than a lot of players, but I think his ceiling is also a lot higher. So it's kind of risk reward with him. Um, yeah. And when he played in high school, his mixtapes of his passes, and he was just pulling <laughs> up from half court. In the UK, yeah. on Instagram, I have to say that that was very famous. He became well-known across here. <laughs> yeah, I think in a draft where there, isn't, there aren't many players that are going to hit that 100th percentile outcome and become a superstar, I think that, that LaMelo is worth swinging on. And I don't think that – I really do. I believe in the kid, and I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, in terms of – like you said, we disagree. I would be taking Wiseman here. Uh, I won't go into too much of the yeah. depth because we've got a full first round mock on uh, Monday, next Monday coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Wiseman helps them win more now than most people in the draft. But I would probably be trading back and trying to get a, I yeah. don't know, probably a Halliburton is more of a fit that I like. Um, I don't think Killian Hayes fits, but I think maybe a Halliburton or if you mm-hmm. can go a Kongwu, I think they fit quite well. But again, if you don't get an offer to trade back, you can't trade back. So, I think we're on the same page um, and I think this is actually a a good time to segue into pick number three yeah definitely so Charlotte Hornets a team that I have uh, fallen out with on Twitter because I said they had no future and then they won the draft lottery Uh, so I look like a fool Uh, who have you got going at number three this is why I said it was a good time to move on I think James Wiseman okay cool 
I think that this is a Michael Jordan pick. I have very little faith in Michael Jordan as a executive. <laughs> and I'm also relatively low on Wiseman, at least I know compared to you and compared to, I guess, NBA teams, if they have him go in top three. Yeah. I'm not sold a little bit because we haven't really seen him play that much. He was, he was the kind of kid in high school and AAU that you were like, okay, we need to see him grow at the next level to feel confident in penciling him in top three. And then he went and played a handful of games in college. So you didn't really see much of the growth that you were looking for. I think him being in the top three in this draft is more a testament to the draft than it is to him. Yeah, he's another player that, that I use the higher ceiling for me and, and, and lower floor because mm. I think we haven't seen enough of him. I think he played three games in college, I think, or three and a half games. Um, yeah. And that's just not a lot. And from everything you read, I only watched one of the three games, but the competition level he faced in those games weren't, wasn't great either. So you're kind of judging him against poor players. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that what he's good at, he's really good at. I think he is a, a pretty good rim protector and rim runner. I think that right away on offense, he helps you there. But I think that what he's bad at might be too much of a detriment to, to really turn into a helpful player at the next level which is part of the reason I don't see him going to the Warriors because he's, his pick-and-roll defense, it's not good. It's, yeah. it's not okay. It's actually quite bad. And I don't think that – and look, there's, there's a path to improve that. DeAndre Ayton wasn't a great pick-and-roll player when he came into the league, and he's better at it now than he was then. But I don't think that Golden State is going to be looking to take the time to develop him into mm-hmm. somebody that can pass on that end. And I think maybe Charlotte, where they have the time, is not a bad. This is not a bad uh, place to take that swing. No, I think it's a good fit as well with their guards, um, and they haven't got they haven't got a lot of big talent, so that it would it would fit for me in terms of what they need. Um, mm-hmm. So pick number four, then the Bulls. Uh, who'd you have going number for, four? For I think four is actually the most interesting spot in, in this draft. I think there's going to be some combination of Ant Mello, Wiseman, top three. I've seen those mellow reports, but I, I don't know if I see that happening. But I think Chicago is kind of the fulcrum point where we'll see where the rest of the draft will go. And I have them here going Isaac Okoro. Okay, good pick. I like him yeah, a lot. So, he's high on my board. Yeah, so wing out of Auburn. He's very, very good at basketball. He is a great slasher, a really excellent passer, excellent defender. He just can't shoot. If he could shoot, he would be right. I have him a little bit lower on my overall draft board than I have in this mock. And if he could shoot, he would be sitting right at number two. And I think in this draft, with as good as a player that Okoro is, and high character, high motor, I think that you just take the risk on Isaac Okoro and bet on him figuring out the shot. Yeah, and he's very young as well. I think he's just turned 19, so they're kind of the upside there. Would you say he's probably the best defender in the draft or in the first round? Uh, yeah, wing. I think wing defender. Him, a couple guys we'll talk about later. But I, I don't think as a as a total team defender, I don't think you'll find a better one in this draft than Okora. Cool. I really I, I do think, like the kid. Yeah, I think that's a good pick because that's something they they are not great at. <laughs> they have not got. Yeah. Very many good defenders, especially wings, and they've spent a lot of money on bigs, haven't they? And I think they need to kind of sit out that other side, and we don't know what they're going to do with Zach Levine. So I don't think adding another point guard to the mix is going to help at all. So, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good fit. Um, then at five, which is my co-host's team, who's not with us, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, who do you see them going with? Uh, I hope I don't disappoint your co-host too badly, <laughs> but I have them going Obi Toppin, who's another player that I am not particularly high on. But I think... Cleveland has a ton of guards. They've got Garland. They've got Sexton. I think that they still don't have a that ceiling raiser. And although I'm I'm not sure Obi Toppin can be that. He was the best player in college basketball last year, and he has an offensive ability that is just really really impressive. What are your thoughts uh, comparing him to um, a Kongwu? Uh, how do you see them? How do you see him being a better player? For the NBA, I, I'm not even sure I do. I think if I had to take one of the two of them, I would take Okongwu. Yeah. I think that Obi Toppin eventually, or 
at first and eventually is just not somebody that is going to contribute to winning basketball. He's Mm -hmm. really got some funky balance issues. He doesn't move his feet well. And I think his offensive position is probably, or his defensive position is probably five in the NBA. And he doesn't have any of the movement or agility or balance skills necessary to, to work in the five. But that being said, if you're Cleveland right now, you need a ceiling raiser. Somebody that can, Okongwu is the better player and more likely to contribute to winning basketball. But I think it would be difficult to argue that Toppin doesn't have a higher offensive ceiling. Okongwu is a very nice complimentary piece. But I think that uh, Obi's ceiling is going to be the thing that attracts Cleveland in this draft. Yeah, and I think Cleveland are the sort of franchise that need that, don't they? I think they need to generate that excitement again after the last couple of seasons. Um, and you're right, they yeah. can't take another guard. <laughs> they can, not yeah. again. No, definitely not. And I think for all of his faults, and I've been pretty hard on Obi, he's really an explosive, fun offensive player that yeah. had no business being as good as he was last year in college. And who am I to say that he's not going to continue to prove... Uh, people like me wrong and raise this game to the next level. Cool. I think Ben will like that pick. Uh, so number six is uh, an interesting one for me. I think this is another trade candidate. I think they might be wanting to, to add some vets, but at the moment we've got Atlanta picking at number six. Who do you think they'll go for? Yeah. And, and do you see them trying to trade out as well? Um, I, I think if they trade out, it would be an ownership thing where they want to start to compete. Now I really am high on Trey Young. I think they need to put defenders around him, which is why my pick here is Devin Vassell. Mm -hmm. I think it would be Okoro if he was there. But in this situation, I think they go Vassell, who is a super smart player from Florida State. Wide, long arms, a good shooter. And I think he slots in really well next to Cam Reddish on the wing to help defend in Atlanta for Trey. Yeah, and that is something that they need badly. They need wing defenders to try and help kind of hide the way that Trey plays because unfortunately he was he was rated the worst player in basketball defensively last year so any help they can get will yeah. be good um do you think he's a good enough shooter to kind of fit that offense style as well is that something that that kind of helps him go as high as this yeah i think he's i think he's a good shooter he was a good shooter in college he there was a video that came out online a couple of weeks ago i guess now of him he's got a little bit of a uh, a slingshot three point shot it, it's not the cleanest form, but over two seasons, he shot it over 40% from three. He doesn't, he doesn't really have the strength to, let's say, extend his range. Um, Trey Young, Steph Curry, not that anybody else would be shooting from that range, but I don't think he's got the form that would work out that far. But mm-hmm. just regular spacing the floor, catching shoots. He's even pretty fun off the dribble pull-ups out of like little... Uh, slanted floor pick and rolls, stuff like that. I yeah. think he's going to be a perfectly fine shooter in the NBA. And I think he's going to bring value on both ends. And for a team like Atlanta that already has their guy, I think Vassal is a uh, a perfect fit for what they need to be surrounding him with. Yeah, for me, in what what we've got as our sort of big board, he's one of the, the players that for us can immediately contribute. We're talking about this year. We think he can be an elite team defender who can kind of help any rotation, whether it's like a top nine, top 10 rotation. So, I think the Hawks would be happy to to add him. Um, number seven, then. Uh, this would be an interesting one because they could go any way, really. We've got the Detroit yeah. Pistons. Where, where do you think they'll go? Detroit is an interesting one for me. And my pick is a little bit off the board, but it's not one that would completely surprise me if it happened. I have Detroit taking Alexi Pokovitsky. I'm going to call him uh, Poku the rest of the time. Poku, I can't say his name either. <laughs> if... if LaMelo Ball doesn't pan out. Poku has the highest upside in this draft. Detroit doesn't have anybody on their team that even could pretend to maybe be a franchise player in the future. I think that this is the time to take a swing on a kid that might not work out. Probably, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure he'll, he'll be a big-time player, but he, he has the potential to be an absolutely game-changer at the next level. He's going to take a little bit of time. He's rail thin. and yeah, he's very, very skinny. Yeah. He's definitely not ready yet. But if you get him in an NBA weight room and he, I mean, nobody's Giannis. I'm not comparing this kid to Giannis. He won't be Giannis. 
but Giannis was rail thin when he came into the league and yeah. he's he's pretty built out now if you can get that kind of muscle gain on Poku with his vision I think he would be a uh, really fun player to watch yeah, I agree. And another comparison in a way to Giannis is his kind of pre-draft videos because when you watch him yeah. play, similar to Giannis, you're, you're thinking, wow, he looks amazing. Then you're looking around being like, I have no idea what competition level this is at because he plays in a B yeah. team in Europe as well. So he's not even in the, yes. top, the top European league. But for anyone that doesn't know him, he's a big, he's seven foot one, I think. Yeah. Um, but he was listed at, I think it was 199 pounds. It might be, might, I think that's right, 199 pounds, which is very, very skinny for a seven foot one yeah. player. Yeah, um, he has no body mass. He hasn't played against anybody of any um, any skill level yet. And he looks like he's a little bit drunk the entire time he's playing. <laughs> he just throws crazy passes, stuff that has no chance at working. But like I said, when we were talking about Melo, I kind of like that in a kid. I yeah. like the ability. I would rather have to rein in a little bit too much of uh, overexcitement than have to try to teach somebody that. And you certainly don't have to teach Poku that. He has all of those uh, crazy, funky things that you like to see out of a guy. And, I mean, look, he, he's probably not going to hit. But if you're Detroit and your, and your choices are swinging on a, uh, a guy like Poku that has that monster ceiling or taking another role player that isn't really going to help much until you have that guy, I would take him swing. Yeah, I agree. And for anyone that's never seen him play, he... He plays literally like yeah. a wing. He's almost like a two guard at times, but he's seven foot. It's very strange to see. So go on YouTube you and watch the seen, highlights. Yeah, 100%. If you haven't seen Poku yet, pull up YouTube and Google this kid. And just you can just, you'll just laugh. He's a really fun player to watch. And I mean, Detroit hasn't had much fun the last couple of years. Let's give him some fun. Yeah, I agree. And if he gets to play in Detroit as well, he would be quite a fun fit next to Blake Griffin uh, if he stays. But... Um, let's move on to number eight then. The New York Knicks, another team that, similar to what you just said, they can't afford another role player. They need a, they need a star to hit. Who do you think they're going to go with at number eight? Correct. And I go Cole Anthony there. I've seen some reports that they're not high on Cole Anthony, but I don't believe anything I read on the internet um, at this time <laughs> of year, all the agent stuff going on. I, I just try to ignore it all. I would go Cole here. He's a guy that you're, you just have to ignore the college it's hard to do. He didn't look great in college. He played on a North Carolina team that had maybe negative spacing. There were just no, there was nowhere to go. If you're watching Cole Anthony games, just pay attention to how many people are standing in the paint while he's trying to operate. And he, he had nowhere to go. He, he came back from injury. So this is just me buying his pre-college sample. Coming out of high school, he was in talk as a top three or four guy in this class. And I think he's closer to the guy that we saw in the AAU in the sneaker circuits than the guy we saw in college. Yeah, Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton are similar, really. They were known as top three mm. guys in this draft and they, they chose different parts and it kind of didn't work out for them just in terms of college tape and obviously RJ yeah. going to Australia. Um, but yeah, I mm. agree. Coming into last season, they were probably your one and two in some order. Uh, and I think people forget how good of a shooter and how good of an offensive weapon that Cole Anthony was. Uh, and I think he's from New York as well, or trains in New York. So he's got that link to the Knicks as well. Yeah, I, I like that pick for them. I, I'm not, I like Cole Anthony. I think he's good. I'm not entirely sure he's a carry the team level guy. There aren't many people that project as that in this draft, but he, he can ISO score with the best of them. And um, his teammates seem to love him. He's a high character guy. So he's a guy I would bet on. Uh, let's move on to another team that desperately needs a pick to work out. Uh, Washington Wizards yeah. at nine. Um, Bradley Beal and John Wall kind of giving it another go in the backcourt. Who do you think they'll take to, to try and contribute alongside those guys? So this, I'm, I'm going to project the trade here. Not sure if that's yeah. allowed in this mock draft. Yeah, that's allowed. I, I think if, um, if the draft goes the way it has so far, I think you'll almost definitely see a trade here. I think that the Wizards are going to trade back to 14 with Boston for 14, 26, and 30, all which Boston have. And I think yep. Boston comes up and takes Onyeko Okongwu. Okay, that would be good for them. They need a big. Yeah, I, I think uh, Okongwu to Boston is one of the most seamless fits in the draft. And I don't see any way he gets to 14. So I think Boston, if... Um, and Yeke falls past four, five, six. 
I think you'll start to see Boston trying to make a move to get up and get him. He is the anti-James Wiseman. All his movement skills are phenomenal. He's a little bit undersized, under-athlete, but he has that BAM uh, movement about him. If, he's not BAM, but if you watch BAM play, you're kind of struck by how graceful he is. And Onyeka has that same thing about him, where he's, he's very graceful. He's got great movement skills. I think he'll shoot it a little bit. And really, he, he fits perfectly in what Boston wants out of the big. The same kind of role that Horford played, that Tice played. It's not that Clint Capella rim runner guy. It's movement, can hang on switches, can defend the rim. And I, I really, as a Sixers fan, I'm, I never want to see Boston succeed. But <laughs> I, I really think a core of Tatum, Brown, everything they have going on there, uh, paired with Okongwu coming in and being ready to contribute immediately, I think, that, I think that's really just a great fit for them, for both of them. Yeah, I agree. I think he's one of the better defenders in the draft as well. Um, he's very versatile. He switches quite well. When you see him, he's not the biggest in terms of he's not a wise man, but he's very strong, which I think is something that, that Boston like. Daniel Tice isn't the biggest center in the world, but they like his strength coming out on the block, and I think Okongwu offers that, but with way, way more skills. So I think that's yeah. a good pick. Do you think that they could package someone like a Haywood with someone and try and pick, go into the top three or four to pick him, or you think they're going to want him to fall? to six, seven, eight, nine, and then yeah. go up and just give do picks? I think that, I don't think that anybody in the first three or four really has much interest in Hayward. I don't think Golden State would want him. I don't think Charlotte would want him. I think the only way this happens is if People. a scenario like this happens, and yeah, you see him available towards the end of the lottery or the mid-lottery where they can go up and get him with uh, packaging their picks. And for, for uh, Washington, there's not a home run pick on the board um for them i love killian hayes i wouldn't be mad at all if they stayed at nine and took killian killian hayes in that spot but i think in a draft as flat as this from 15 to 60 to 45 everybody's around the same talent level and washington is pretty um empty of talent and i think the the possibility to add two of those guys later is worth the five pick drop here yeah, I think it's good that you can swing more times and try and hit something. I think that's important for exactly. a team that, that needs that talent. So, yeah, that would be a good trade for both parties, I think. Um, let's go on to another team then that I could see there potentially being another trade in this spot when it comes to draft night. Uh, Phoenix Suns, they're already quite a young team. Who do you think they add and what position do they add to, to strengthen the lineup? Sure. So, I have Killian Hayes here. He's one, He's on my top, he's top three on my board. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. Lefty. And uh, the Suns would have, I think the Suns would be thrilled with this pick. I think this is a home run for them. I think they need a guard to run next to Booker and complete that lineup. And they already have Mikel Bridges there. They already have DeAndre in there. And I think that second guard, maybe Rubio's not there to take that Ricky Rubio spot in their future lineup. And I think it's hard to find a better guard in this draft than uh, Killian Hayes. Yeah, he's 18 as well, so he's he's very young. And uh, people have compared him to D'Angelo Russell. Do you see that that fit? You think they're stretching for, for the way he plays offensively there? Yeah, the left-handed thing will always do it. I he's I see the fit. I think it's really, really. I think he's a really good player. He's a he's not a great right hand yet. I think that needs to develop. But he's a really experienced pick and roll guy. He's a, a good passer out of the pick and roll, good playmaker. He competes on defense. He can shoot the ball. I um, I don't think there's many players in this draft I would prefer for any team than Killian Hayes, and I think that he will be a steal at ten. Yeah, I'm super high on him as well. His his negatives of some people think he's a bit of a limited athlete and he's a little bit left hand like dominant. Um, but I think there are things that at the NBA level, when you're a pro athlete, that you can be trained out of. I think he's got the, the baseline to be a good player. And I, I quite like the way he shoots as well. A lot of people, think shooting mechanics matter, like, don't matter, but I think they do. And I think he's got a good shot on him. And he's, he's good from the line as well. So I think you can see that he's got that projection. So I think if he's there, yeah, I agree with shocked. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't think he'll make it to 10, but I don't really maybe Washington. I don't think there's a great fit for him up yeah. until then. I had a hard time placing him. But like you said, he's really a uh, he's an NBA-ready player. He's made for NBA offenses, and whoever gets him is getting a winner. Yeah, it'd be a fun fit with Booker. Um, 
Cool. On to 11 then. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, a team, uh, again, that I think can go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think the Spurs are hard to nail down here. I don't think you'll see them go guard just because they have so many of them. Mm-hmm. But I think a pretty good fit here is Patrick Williams, FSU. He's another one of my favorite players in the draft. He's a long, big power forward right now with some creation skills. He reminds me a little bit, not to use a player comp because I really I don't I don't like to do that, but his play style reminds me a bit of if you think of Jeremy Grant on defense. He's got that he can protect the rim. He's long. He doesn't move laterally as well as Jeremy Grant does. I would like to see him. Um, I would like to see him get more agile. He's got really big thighs, and I would like to see them work on his lateral agility a bit. But he's he's he can put the ball on the floor. He can work out of the pick and roll a little bit. He can shoot the ball a little bit, and I think that he is a um, he's a pretty good bet to be a pretty good player. Yeah, he's another player. If you haven't watched him. Watched him play, go on YouTube, because at the rim, he's a very fun scorer. Um, he's very, yes. very athletic, isn't he? Especially on the offensive end. Yeah, he is. He's explosive vertically, like nobody's business. Yeah, and definitely. FSU, uh, they didn't use him much this year. He came off the bench for them, actually. But you can see the flashes immediately when he plays. He's got, he's got a, um, a next level athletically, vertically. I would, like I said, I would like to see him work on his lateral athleticism a little bit, maybe uh, thin out those thighs, a little bit yeah. better movement skills. But I think he is a good fit on a San Antonio team that has a lot of guards and is looking for talent on the wing and bigs. Yeah, I agree. He's a very good screener as well, and Pop loves a uh, bit of screen and roll action, so I think he'd fit their offense well. Um, cool, let's go on to number 12 then. The Kings, another team we've said it a few times, obviously, in the lottery that need talent. Um, yeah, go. the Kings definitely need talent. Um, I have them going Denny Evita here. Yeah. I, I, I'm people love Denny, and I see why people love Denny. He's got, he's not really bad at anything. He's got decent skills all the way across the board. I'm a little bit nervous about his shot. He didn't shoot great from the line. But his shot did look good um, after the COVID restart. So maybe he's got that cleaned up. I just don't think he's particularly good at anything, if that makes sense. Like, he's not bad at anything. He's just kind of like, he, I think people might be getting a little bit caught up in the fact that he's he doesn't really have any weaknesses. And maybe yeah. ignoring the fact that he doesn't really have any strengths. Yeah, for me, the shot is a, is a big worry. Um, and I think team fit is... It's crucial here. We've we've heard a lot of rumours, or we have in the UK anyway, about him being linked to the Warriors. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a good fit in terms of the culture and the shooting coach and uh, and the way yeah. they play. But I don't think I'd do that at two. If you trade back in your in your eight to twelve, I think that's a really good pick. Um, yeah, I think I Denny think... would be. I think Denny would be fine as the fifth best player on the floor. You know, like he's a really good connecting piece. He yeah. moves the ball. He's smart. He doesn't really make mistakes. But I'm not really sure if that if if that's worth a lottery pick. You know what I mean? Like that, I, I, he's definitely going to go in the lottery. I just I'm not sure I'd want to be the one to draft him. He's he's probably going to work out. He's I see for sure why people like him. It's hard to pin pinpoint a place where he, where he will be bad at the next level. Yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm at on him. Yeah, it's trying to find a fit, a fit where he'll be great. That's the problem. I think that. Everything yeah. will need to fall right for him to turn into a great pick. Where you're thinking in four years' time, like, oh yeah, we want to we want to re-sign him to a max. We want him to be a star player. I think that's going to take a lot of work. Um, but yeah. in a draft where there's a lot of low floor players, I think that some teams will just want to pick someone that will play. So I think that he could be a good pick mm-hmm. for them. Um, Thirteen, sure. we've got the Pelicans. Um, sure. They want to build around Zion, obviously. So they're, they're going to be looking at that sort of fit. Who do you have them take in there at thirteen? Yeah, and the it seems like Drew is on his way out, which yeah, makes definitely. this pick a little bit easier. I think they probably, if the situation falls this way, I have them going Tyrese Maxey. That's exactly the same as in our uh, mock as well. Joint pick. Yeah, I'll try not to go too deep into it. I um I think Maxey is a bulldog on defense. I really think he's a good point of attack defender. I worry about him a little bit on the offensive end. He can get to the rim well. He's a good, um, he, he works well working downhill, but he's undersized. 
He's not good enough with the ball in his hands and with his handle to be a primary guy. And he only shot 29% from three last year. He's a good free throw shooter, but he's got a low release and he's got kind of a line drive shot that makes me nervous translating to the next level. And I'm not so sure how how much NBA teams are going to want a 6-1 off-ball guard that, I, I don't know, can, can't shoot. He'll be a great point-of-attack defender, though. There's no real doubt there. Yeah, he's very, very good at defending on and off the ball, um, something mm. that the Pelicans really need. What do you think about the fit with Zion? Do you see that being a fit at all, or do you think they're just getting him because he'll be best player available? Um, I, I don't, I don't mind the fit. I think that they need people to defend guards, and Maxi, for his flaws, defends guards. There's yeah. people that are much higher on him than I am, and I absolutely see their path. If he, if his twenty nine percent shooting ends up being a fluke, sure, he and he can get his shot off over people at the next level. He's a helpful player. He can shoot. He can defend. And there's always the Kentucky factor. Of we've had guys like the last couple of years of Booker and um, Hero and those kind of guys that have come out of Kentucky after not really blowing up at Kentucky. You get them late in the lottery, and they've been studs. So I see why people are in on Maxi, and I'm mm-hmm. certainly not going to be the one to doubt the Kentucky uh, <laughs> curse or whatever it ends up being. But I'm not sure we'd be this high on him if he didn't go to Kentucky. He's a player that I worry that the uh, the Knicks will end up going for because of the whole Kentucky connection. Uh, yeah. And I think if they pick him at eight, I think they, they've overdrafted, to be honest. So they need a lot more offense. But I think at this sort of level pick, I could see it. And I think the fit with the Pelicans is a good fit. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go on to the last pick then for the lottery. Uh, it would have been Boston, but they've made a trade. So we have the Wizards. Uh, who do you think they go for at this pick? Do they take a bit of a swing? They have. And... I, I'm not really sure, honestly, that there's a swing player left. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess there's some high upside guys. But if I'm Washington right now, I'm trying to acquire talent. And yeah. at this pick, talent is in the form of Halliburton. Nice. One of my favorites in the draft. Yeah, I like him. I, I don't think he's going to be a star. He's definitely not a primary. But he he's really smart. He moves the ball well. He shoots. He defends. He I think he's just good. And I think if you're Washington right now, sure, you want a star, but you have an opportunity to get stars or potential stars later down the road with a Bradley Beal trade. And this trade with Boston and now this pick with Halliburton may be about just getting guys that could be good NBA players on your roster. Do you see him being able to play in a three-guard rotation with Beal and Wall, or you think that they're going to move one of those anyway, or they'll just play Halliburton off the bench until one of those moves on? Yeah, I think it's hard to ca- I think Beal probably gets traded soon. It's hard to count on a uh, John Wall coming off the Achilles. Yeah. I, I think you're going to want to limit those guys' minutes anyway. I don't think there'll be a difficult time getting him minutes, even if it is off the bench and spots starting during the season. Cool. All right. Well, that's our draft lottery then. There's a few more players I wanted to, to ask you about. And then maybe uh, there's any other players you want to talk about afterwards that that have kind of higher up on your big board that haven't come up yet. Um, but one player I wanted yeah. to ask you about ask you about was Tyrell Terry. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him as a player? And, and why haven't you seen him going in that, in that lottery spots? I like Terry. I would actually be pretty happy if Terry went to the Sixers. Wouldn't be upset about that at all. Mm-hmm. I am not sure... I'm not sure what his ceiling is. He doesn't have that Steph Curry um, handle passing the rest of the Steph Curry game. It's more just the shooting. He's slight of frame. I'm not sure he's going to be a uh, helpful defender. And if you don't have that Steph Curry ceiling, it's not as great that you that you can't defend. You know, but on a team like the Sixers, who already have the defense figured out and are looking for spacing, I would lo- I like Terry. I think he's the kind of guy that you may need to find a good fit for, but. If he goes to the right spot, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, and are you picking at 21? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, 21. Yeah, if he fall, fell to 21, I think that would be a perfect pick for, for, for what you guys want to do. And he'll fit around Ben really well. Um, mm-hmm. Another player then, uh, Lewis Jr. from Alabama. Um, obviously, not a smaller school, but a school that's not as known for its basketball program. Uh, he's a guard that a lot of people like uh, in terms of driving to the basket. And he's got, they say, good range, but I'm not sure about that myself. But 
good perimeter player. What are your thoughts on him as, him as a guard prospect? Yeah, I like Kira. Um, I actually have him 12 on my board. There just wasn't a good fit in the mock. I'm not sure if he goes in lottery in a real draft. But just as a player, I have him uh, 12. He's blazing fast. He's slight of frame, needs to add some strength. And I don't think he's a primary. If you think there's, what, 15 primaries, 20 primaries in the league, I'm yeah. not sure Kira's one of them. And I don't love him off the ball. I'm not sure I get his off the ball appeal. But as a, a sixth man, you know, super scorer, run the second unit, I think I think Kira Lewis is really fun. And if he hits his upside, like you said earlier, we're looking for guys to swing for upside. Kira Lewis yeah. is one of those guys. If you're looking to swing for upside, you could definitely do worse. Yeah, another upside player is RJ Hampton. Um, mm-hmm. Similar to what you said about Cole Anthony. He was kind of touted as a one, two, three sort of pick before last season. He chose to not yeah. play college basketball. Uh, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on him? Do you think he, his stock's just diminished from performances in, in a men's game? Uh, or do you think people are a little bit harsh on his film from last season? Yeah, I actually, I think that if the Pistons don't, I think the Pistons pick is going to be off the board. I think the Pistons pick is going to be funky. And I think if they don't go Poku, I think they might go RJ Hampton. If you're yeah. swinging for stars, like you said, he's an upside guy. He was really high pre-last um, season. And I, I, I like him. I don't know if he's actually good. He doesn't defend anybody. But for a team like Detroit or a team like Washington or these teams that we're talking about that don't have their guy yet, um, RJ is a, a swing that, especially if he gets to the end of the lottery or mid-late first round, there's upside there that even if he doesn't hit it, like you take the swing, you go try to get a guy. Yeah, I agree. I like it. his upside. I, I think his floor can be a little bit lower, and that's probably why he's for sure to go, to go where he goes. Um, yeah. The last player I want to ask about before we move on to maybe go through your board a little bit more before we head off was um, Desmond Bain. He's a player that's the opposite, really. He's not a big swing at all, but he's he's a guy that projects really well as a rotation player. Do you see him being in the level of a player that can kind of contribute to winning right away? Um, for anyone who doesn't know him, he's a wing. Uh, he's very very high IQ. He's a very good ball handler. For yeah. size, um, what do you think about him? Do you think he can help winning immediately, or you just think that he hasn't got that high ceiling like we've been speaking about? Yeah, I I don't care about the ceiling when it comes to Desmond Bain. He is good at basketball. Sometimes the draft is just simple. You pick the really good basketball players. Yeah. He, a senior at a TCU, one of the best shooters in the draft. No uh, qualifications needed. He can defend. He's smart. He's supposed to be one of the most high character people in the draft. I think that this is the kind of guy that you're going to see drafted right outside of the lottery by any team looking to win this year. I don't think he'll make it to the Sixers, which is upsetting to me. But if your goal <laughs> next year is to compete in the playoffs, uh, Desmond Bain's your guy. He's, he's going to contribute instantly. Yeah, he, he's that rare thing that people just really want now in basketball. It's the whole perimeter shooting, but really good off-ball defense. Um, yeah. And I, I like the fit as well for, for any winner. I think a Boston, Miami, Philadelphia, sort of any of those teams could could do with him. You guys have got a few second round picks. You might be able to trade up and and get and get higher up for him, maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset about that at all. I'm. I, I don't know if you'll see too much trading up in this draft. One because I think everybody's going to be looking to to trade down. Yeah. And two because especially early in the lottery, nobody in the world is going to want to move a 2021 first. 2021 draft is phenomenal you're there's probably eight guys in the 2021 draft i'd take in the top two here so I, i'm not sure how much trading up you'll see or trading at all you'll see but if we could package a couple twos and um get up from 21 to get desmond bain i wouldn't be upset about it yeah because i think you've got you've either got four or five twos i think this year um, yeah. which is a lot of draft capital isn't it in a draft where you don't, don't well josh, want... josh harris uh sixers owner needs to make sure he hits his quota of second round picks sold in a year <laughs> So I'm only really looking at them as three. Yeah, true. He's probably going to be selling them for a couple of million, isn't he? Especially with the shortfall they're expecting. Um, cool. Let's just go through, uh, before we go then, your big board. Uh, so we spoke about the mock and the fits, but in terms of best players available, do you want to just read us who you've got going from through one through ten and, and maybe talk about anyone that we've missed? Sure. I, I think I think one through ten, actually, we've pretty, pretty much covered. I have everybody drafted. 
but a few of the guys that are at the top that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. I really like uh, Josh Green, Arizona wing. I think he does a lot of winning things. That uh, Arizona's funky. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nico Mannion was good too. I think Arizona's a weird place to scout. So I, I like um, I like Josh Green a lot. Jaden McDaniels is a guy who I would like to see go to the Raptors. And I think every prospect wants to go to the Raptors. But Jaden McDaniels is one of those guys that was talked about top five, top six coming yeah. into the year. And he didn't really have a good year in college. But I still kind of like what he has. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like Cam Reddish 2.0. Yeah, he's got a lot of size as well for his for the level he can shoot yeah. at. And like we said before, if if you need players to play defense, he, he is definitely a very good off and on ball defender. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, anyone else? last two... Yeah, last two people I, I think I'm pretty high on are Grant Riller, uh, senior out of Charleston. He's a three-level scorer. He's in, he's in the Desmond Bain mold where he's just really good. And I, I don't I think NBA teams sometimes make the mistake of not drafting really good basketball players because they're old. And if you're like he's another guy, I'd be thrilled if the Sixers got. If if you want a guard who can who can handle the ball as a six man or in the Sixers case off of Ben Simmons. Grant Riller is good at basketball, so I would draft him. And Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas is—I see him going in the second round in a lot of a lot of mocks, which confuses me because everybody in the NBA is looking for guys that can both shoot and defend. And Isaiah Joe can shoot the lights out, and he's he's a fine defender. So I I like Isaiah Joe. Yeah, and he's only, tw- I think he's 20 or 21 as well for my report. Um, whereas the guy you mentioned before, I believe he's like 23, isn't it? So Isaiah Joe's still at a young age. Uh, on ours, I think we've, yes. got him at twen- we've got him at 28 in our mock. So he falls into our first round. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a really good player. And another one that we've got that we're probably irrationally high on was Trey Jones. Um, he's a player that, that I like, that a lot of people don't. I think he's a good floor general. Um he contributes to winning basketball for me, uh, and he's a good defender, but I just worry about his shot. Yeah, I think I think I would probably fall in the group of people that aren't too high on Trey Jones. I yeah. think all those things that you said are absolutely true, and I wouldn't be able to argue any of them. I just I don't think he's a starting um, point guard at the NBA level, which is fine. I mean, you're, you're going to be drafting guys from 20 on in this draft that probably aren't going to be starting right away. But mm-hmm. I... I'm not sure. I, I think it's just the overall value of drafting a backup point guard when there are so many replacement level point guards available. I'm not sure if Trey Jones does anything over replacement level. And I think he'll be a good player and he's going to end up being the backup point guard for somebody. Uh, uh, he's going to bounce around the league as a backup point guard for 10, 12 years, in my opinion, and a good one. Yeah. But with as many backup point guards as there are, I... I think it's more of just a philosophy thing. I'd rather take swings on wings where they are um, they're less common than uh, a guy like Trey Jones. Yeah, I agree. That That's his downfall, really. The, the, the point guard position in the NBA is, is flooded now almost. And, and 10 years ago, that wasn't the case, whereas now you can pick up a, a starting point guard or a backup point guard almost off the scrap heap at times, especially if you've got the right mm-hmm. level of wing uh, and point forwards. So, yeah, I agree. that The position probably doesn't help. Um Cool. So then just final question on your big board. Uh, can you just read us your top five, one through five, just to see how you rank the, the best players? Because I know any fans of those teams in, in the first three picks are interested to know kind of where these players line yeah. up. I'll give you one through ten. That's cool. It's earlier and I forgot about it. it I go LaMelo Ball, one, two, Killian Hayes, three, Anthony Edwards, four, Cole Anthony, five, Onyeko Kongwu, six, Patrick Williams, seven, Devin Vassell, Eight Obi Toppin, nine James Wiseman, and ten Isaac Okora. Nice. So you are definitely a, uh, not a fan of Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My big board uh, tells the truth. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that people are going to be really high on him or not, and I think he's very similar to Lamelo in that fact. I think either you love him or you hate not hate him, but you know, what I mean, you either yeah. really rate him as a player or you just don't see the the uh, the upside. But but yeah, yeah. cool. Well, thank you very much for doing that with us, mate. Mm-hmm. I uh, appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. It's great. It's a pleasure to uh, talk to you. And hopefully we can uh, talk again soon. Yeah, I was thinking um, we will plan on doing some preseason 
kind of projections. Uh, and when we go through team by team, maybe you can come on and once we know the rosters and stuff, you can give us your view on Philadelphia and kind of where they might finish this season. Yeah, no problem. Cool. Well, thanks again to CJ. Uh, plans of the podcast, me and Ben are doing our uh, first round mock slash team fits uh, on Monday. And then we're going to be doing uh, our next free agent special uh, the following Friday. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening and cheers again, CJ. Yep. Thank you very much.